Hi there, it's Sam Piercy, and I want to welcome you to Money Mining Today. I am your host, and this week we are following up on last week's show, which was called Letting Go. This week we're talking about bringing in. Last week we looked at the four biblical types of giving, as well as saving and investing. And this week when we talk about bringing in, we're looking at the harvest. So let's start off with a word of prayer. Oh Lord, hmm, thank you, that your word says that as long as the earth exists, there will be seed time and harvest. You also said, though, that the harvest was ripe and there were few harvesters. So as we look at this concept of harvesting today, we pray that you will awaken all of us to boldly call in the harvest that you have prepared for us to fulfill your purposes through our life on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So as we get going, I'm going to encourage you to visit moneymindingtoday.com, enter your name and email, and then you have access to join my Village of Blessings. There you'll find all the show archives, you'll find the discussion notes, and most importantly, the follow-up discussion questions. You can do the questions on your own, you can gather a group of people together, but so much of rethinking the connection between God and money today is about unlearning or relearning. It's developing the knowledge of the world system and then bringing in that Holy Spirit wisdom, that collective wisdom, because the world system has a mindset that is focused on retirement, which feeds fear, doubt, scarcity, and lack. And those are opposite to God's plan for abundance and harvest, which is what we're talking about today. So as we look at all of this, there's three keys to remember in connecting what God's Word says with the world that we live in today. A summary of those uh, is, the first one is a godly vision with a price tag attached to it because that's what drives your day-to-day financial decision making. It's not the money that you can see or that you can assume to see in the future, but it's something where you're listening to what God is directing you to and then you're doing some research and figuring out how much does that actually cost. The second key is a system for managing the flow of money in and out of your life. And we're not talking about a budget and we're actually even talking about more than a cash flow forecast. What we're looking at here is an orderly implementation and the use of our world systems like banking, credit, insurance, investments, tax and estate planning rules and tools. The third key is that God calls each of us individually and he gives each of us unique skills, passions, experiences, connections, ideas, etc., which he then directs us for where to plant to produce a harvest that will feed us as well as overflow to others and our next two generations with all thanksgiving to him. And that's the focus of our conversation today. And just for a quick summary from last week, because we did look at anytime money leaves our hands, we looked at at saving and spending and giving. We have to remember that spending is the thing that does create blessing and it creates that overflow. But when God's economy is based on giving, 
the worlds is based on saving. And so we're going to look at, so we looked at those four biblical types of giving. And I encourage you to go get the notes and listen to last week's show if you missed it. The summary of those is tithing, offerings, alms, and seed. And specifically, it's the seed giving that is going to be the thing that we're talking about here as it relates to producing a harvest. But too often we just focus on tithing and we forget that each one of these types of giving has a different reward as well as a different motivation. So where tithing is in obedience to the Lord and honoring to the Lord, the purpose of that is to rebuke the devourer. Offerings are about gratitude and generosity and the reward is blessing alms, giving to the poor and others who are in need, the motivation is compassion and it's done in secret. And the reward for that type of giving is just a return of what you have uh, given out but there and future rewards in heaven. But in this world, it's just a return. Seed giving though, the motivation is increase and the reward is that 30, 60 or 100 fold increase. And that's where when we start talking about seed time and harvest is what are the seeds that you're planting and where are you planting them? And then what kind of harvest are you expecting? And so let's look a little bit further at that right now, starting off with Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So in financial terms, what is a harvest? And what's the purpose of, purpose of a harvest? Is a harvest a paycheck? Well, maybe, but that tends to be a half a truth because a paycheck can only reproduce if you continue to go to work to do whatever it is that lets you gather the money. See, one of the issues that we have today is that people have become dependent on a paycheck and are trying to plant with limited resources so that they can hopefully accumulate enough seed uh, to consume after their paycheck stops and then hopefully continue to gather it. But the problem with that is for too many people, the paycheck is like the manna of the, that the Israelites got in the wilderness. It could be consumed, but not stored. And I'm not saying this is for everybody. It's just the statistics show that too many people are just barely getting by or carrying a burden of debt. See, the harvest is the result of planting seeds. Seeds have a germination period, and very rarely is that germination period 30 to 40 years, um, like we're taught to do with retirement, um, saving for retirement. The germination period is seasonal, meaning usually within the year or within a few months, you can eat some, share some, and replant for next season. Just picture your backyard garden, for example. See, God says that a harvest has the power to feed you and others with more than enough left over to honor him and to continue to bless others and so on and so forth. He also says that he is the one to give us the power to create wealth and that within the seeds that he gives us is the power to reproduce and that we will reap 
what we sow. And you can look at Galatians 6, 7 for reference and further reading in that. In agricultural terms, I heard a message once about how a single apple seed can produce up to 850 pounds of apples. So how many apple seeds are in a single apple? Well, usually a lot more than one. And so what we see in the harvest is a multiplication of the thing that has been sown. So what is sowing? Well, it could be scattering, but typically if you're sowing, you're intentionally planting to produce food and create increase. Sowing and reaping is a law of the spiritual world. It's more than just an agricultural principle. It's a spiritual law of life that we reap what we sow. And again, that's Galatians 6, 7. God says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And there are natural consequences to our action in terms of sowing and reaping. The world operates under the law of cause and effect. There is no way around it. And every time we choose an action, we also choose the consequences of that action, even if that action is nothing. Sowing and reaping, though, implies some kind of a weight. A harvest doesn't typically happen overnight, and the farmer must be patient in order to see the fruit of his labors. But as we just said, that doesn't necessarily mean 30 to 40 years. When the Bible talks about uh, ministry, meaning the work that you're called to do, that requires planting, watering, and reaping. You read that in 1 Corinthians 3.6. It suggests that there's a length of time and there's something that you have to do. You plant seeds and then you tend to the garden. God will bring forth fruit to his glory in his time. And until then, we faithfully labor in the field. That means that at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And see, the seeds that we sow determine what we'll reap. So what kind of harvest and what kind of harvest we'll receive. If we plant apple seeds, you expect to harvest apples. If you plant tomato seeds, you expect to harvest tomatoes. So those who plant, if you're planting in anger, then you would expect to receive uh, anger in return. If you plant finances, you would expect to receive finances in return. Galatians 6, 8 goes on to say that whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Living a life of carnality and sin and feeble attempts to control our circumstances and all the while expecting to inherit Um, heaven on earth is really similar to planting thistles and hoping for roses, I heard somebody describe it as. See, this principle works both positively and negatively. The one who sows righteousness reaps a positive reward, as we read in Proverbs 11:18. But whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, Proverbs 22:8. We also reap proportionately to what we sow. And the rule is that the more seed planted, the more fruit harvested. The Bible applies this law to our giving, as we uh, learn in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, so that we also discover that if we sow generosity, we will be blessed more than those who don't. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. But this principle is not as much concerned with as not concerned as much with the amount of the gift, but with the spirit in which it is given. God loves a cheerful giver. Also, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. 
and even the widow's mites are noticed by our Lord. So it's our heart. And when we apply the spiritual law to all areas of our finances, we can easily see how a bigger harvest also provides more opportunities to give. So remember from last week, we give gifts, we give through our spending, and we give through investing for the benefit of others. So remember to go to moneymindingtoday.com and register there to become a member of my Village of Blessings. It's all free and all of the notes and follow-up discussion questions uh, are there as well as a bunch of ebooks and other tools and templates and ideas for gathering together to increase the conversation about finances because in January we're going to begin some live trainings and some local gatherings uh, where we bring Jesus right into the middle of the financial conversation and where two or more are gathered there he is and there's great wisdom in bringing together and terrific uh, creativity and ideas that come out of sharing within the uh, sharing about finances in the context of the Holy Spirit. So we reap more than we sow. And in other words, the law of sowing and reaping is related to the law of multiplication. Jesus spoke of the seed that brought forth a hundred, sixty, or um, or thirty times what was sown based on the measure or the value that we applied to it. So one grain of wheat obviously produces a whole head of grain and in the same way that one that you can lie and get out of control, you can also plant positively and with the right heart and produce a mind a mindset that results in a lifetime of blessings. So if the world's model is all about spending and saving and not giving and receiving, then when you give your seed, you're planting blessings when you sow that into the kingdom of God. When you spend seed, you're actually sharing blessings though too, if you've got that right mindset. If you're doing it out of scarcity and fear and doubt, then you're actually sowing scarcity, fear and doubt. When you invest seed, you in expect increase. And this was also discussed last week in terms of the four types of biblical giving. Right now, we're going to look at uh, Matthew 9:37, and Jesus said that the harvest was plentiful, but there were few harvesters. And this applies obviously both spiritually and naturally, because in the financial realm, it seems that people have become complacent by expanding. Uh, accepting the world's view of managing money to accumulate money for retirement. Yet we're very clearly told that building bigger storehouses so that in old age we can eat, drink, and be merry, and that will cause us to lose our life today. And that's exactly what's happening with the retirement model. That's the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. Our society is in debt to credit, whether we have personal debt or not, and as a whole, the monetary supply, which means the money available in our society for spending and investing, and the overall cost of things, is determined by the financial institutions and the regulators who print the money which fuels spending. They do this based on the power of taxation and the people who receive income from the goods and services, the business transactions. So this, this whole income focus. The leverage is 10 times what the bank has on deposit and their immediate income from lending is from the interest charge on the money lent. 
it's really important that we understand that we have to look at this as a community project as a com as a community prospers so do you and so this is obviously very simplified and it's not meant to slam our banking system it's to say that we have to learn how the system works and we have to learn how to manage the money that God brings into our life within the context of this because it provides the best opportunities for increase to anyone who has ears to hear. So let's do a quick overview of some biblical highlights in Genesis and Exodus where we learn the principles of sowing and reaping and honoring God with the fruit of our labor. We learn the blessings of Abraham and we can see what Isaac did to uh, re uh, reap a hundredfold return when he sowed in a famine. We also learn how Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream and um, ended up producing a system of harvesting and distribution during the seven years leading up to the famine in Egypt. And we learn how the people everywhere came during the famine under Joseph's regime. And first they bought grain and then they sold their livestock, then their properties, and eventually they sold themselves just to survive. But Joseph had set up a system. And when all of this the, nearing the end of the seven years, Joseph gave the Israelites some grain and land and told them that they could increase um, with that as long as they gave 20% to Egypt and all of they earned. The other four-fifths they could keep and um, uh, seed for the fields and food for themselves and their households and their children, etc., etc. The people were very grateful because they felt like their lives had been spared and they were they prospered they acquired property and were fruitful and greatly increased in number but 400 years later we see that the Israelites under a new government in Egypt were being forced into hard labor and having to make more bricks with less straw and then what happened it's a good question because they had good income they had to pay taxes but the governmental system 400 years later was concerned that they would be overthrown so then we have all the drama and the plagues through the exodus and we've got a few mi million people perilously close to being able to go in and possess that promised land and a thousand times increased blessings that they were promised and instead they were afraid and they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years instead of an 11 day trek and God provided them with that manna that would feed them but not let them gather or plant and so here we are today God's promised us the blessings of our ancestors, including that thousand times increased, more as we learn in Deuteronomy 1.11. But the people grumbled and they were afraid. And, and Joshua and Caleb in the Old Testament, they were the only ones from the original 12 eyewitnesses to the promised land who would actually see it. And so it's interesting because Joshua, as we know, is a foreshadow or a type of Jesus. And today we have this new, better covenant through Jesus that makes it possible for all people who believe to receive the blessings of Abraham, as we learn in Galatians 3. And yet all around us, we see increase. We see the, the wealth. We see the prosperity. We see the potential for overflowing blessings. Yet like the spies, there are too many people who become slaves to this world system instead of triumphing over uh, using it and working with it. And so people, they get to force 
into labor, hard labor, just working to pay the bills. So what's happened is we see the freedoms we have in our society, but we have not been taught the benefits. We have actually fallen into this idea that a safe, secure job will will give us a great lifestyle. And it does, because our banking system says that if you have a good job, it's easier to get credit and that you are a better risk and then you get benefits and you get all kinds of things that really are nice for your lifestyle. And I'm not saying that any of this is is knocking jobs at all. I mean, jobs are great. It's the mindset. Too many people are called to corporate ministry, which is great. And they have professions which are um, employed by the government and even financial institutions. I was for a long time. And that's all okay, because in the post-industrial age, we, we don't live in the agricultural age, and jobs are an essential part of our economy. But the problem is when the job and the income associated with the job becomes the manna, and that you're trying now to squish a lifestyle into what income you can see or what somebody else has determined that you're worth, because manna wasn't meant to be stored. We weren't meant to live like Israelites in the wilderness. And so if the manna or the job or the income isn't enabling you to fulfill the purposes that God has called you to, then it's time that we go right back to the beginning and we take a look at this agricultural model. What are the seeds that God has provided you and how do you plant them? How do you work within that world system to create the increase? And sadly, for two many people, that uh, difference between what they get from their manna, what they get from their job, and what it is that their immediate uh, income, that vision that we talked about, it, the cost of that vision, is only a couple hundred dollars a month. We tend to think that it's too big, you know, like the, the spies, there was too many, too many risks and, and it might not work. And yet, if you start small, start with a small seed, what are the seeds that God has provided you? Those seeds might be financial and then they might not be. But the purpose is to identify the seed and to plant it so that something can come in. When you take a seed, if you sow finances, you expect a financial seed. That's why seeding, in terms of giving, works in God's economy. If you sow time, you expect to get time back. If you sow into relationships, you expect to get relationships back. If you sow into some kind of a business, you expect to get um, some kind of reward from that business. Seed, time, and harvest. It means that a harvest is produced by building or acquiring assets of some sort that produce some sort of more or less immediate income so that you have the seed, the, the seed to feed yourself and to replant and to continue to acquire more assets uh, or build more assets. It becomes a very secular process. You start with planting something, you get the harvest, or you create income, then you build or acquire more assets to create more income, which creates the opportunity to build or acquire more assets, and so on and so on and so forth. See, as humans, we're the only creatures who actually can store up food and we can think this stuff through. It's because our mind helps us learn and then the Spirit of God gives us the wisdom to know who and when and where and with whom to plant the seeds to produce the harvest. So how do we do all this? 
Well, we need to know the size of the field that God's calling you to plant. And maybe he's calling you to plant increase, but you have to start somewhere. Like I said, it might just be for a couple hundred bucks a month. You need to identify it. That's key number one is what is the vision and what is the cost of the vision? I remember very clearly a number of years ago, I learned that I have my financial credentials and I was doing some financial work on a consulting basis. And I remember um, hearing about people who were charging more to do less than what I was providing. And I determined in myself that I was actually going to increase my rate. In fact, I was going to double it. And God gave me an opportunity um, to try that out but it was out of my comfort zone I was really comfort saying what my rate was but so somebody called and I told them how much I charged to do the service and they said fine and I got off the phone I immediately was kicking myself because I had already determined that I was going to increase my rate to be the equivalent of what others were charging to do the same kind of work but it was out of my comfort zone it seemed risky well what if they didn't like me or it was out of my comfort zone is what I'm saying and this is where we need to take step back and go hmm what does all that mean and um, happily God gave me another opportunity about 30 minutes later and uh, I told this second person what my higher rate was and you know what they didn't even budge and you might say well that's not fair and I go well but does God why not does God expect us to give away the seeds that he's given us doesn't he expect to bless you and to honor you and to trust you so that you can increase and bless others was I blessing both people of course I was it's a misdirected pride that values others ahead of yourself if you give and give and give and reduce your value to benefit other people you're actually denying God the opportunity to work uh, to increase your harvest so that you can give even more that's not greed that's actually kind of selfishness and when I got my head wrapped around that I will tell you it was a gut-wrenching prayer of forgiveness uh, that I had to come before the Lord because I had selfishly withheld from the Lord um, the ability to work through my life and I know that that is maybe a bit harsh but what does what is your value in the eyes of the Lord so the second key to this money minding for financial grace is what I call it is you need to have that value you need to have a system so you have to know the value of your vision you have to know the size of the field that you're going to plant and then of course you have to identify the seeds and you have to be able to to sow them intentionally that's a big thing it requires some planning it requires some rethinking and it doesn't have to be complicated you can go back and listen to some of the other shows where we talked about some different ideas see the the world's term for all of the tools that we use are things like cash flow planning, insurance, credit, banking, and tax and estate planning and investments. So we get mutual funds and stocks and bonds and, and all kinds of creative exempt securities. Those are just the financial things that we can sow. We can give money or we can give time. We can give skills. Maybe your skill is knitting. Maybe you're really good at woodworking or fixing cars. Whatever it is, those are things that you can, um, they have value. And if you're not sure who or how, then those are good questions to start asking other people. But if you think you can't, then you're right. There's a really famous quote by Henry Ford that says, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. But either way, you're right. 
And Henry Ford was also famous for saying that he didn't have to know everything. He just had to be able to articulate the vision so that others could provide their expertise to whatever the project was that he was working on. He was overflowing blessings because he was given a vision and that vision blessed other people at the same time. So you don't want to have your seed, eat all your seed. You want to be able to plant some so that God can work through because it's his power working through your life that uh, creates the harvest, creates the harvesters. And uh, we don't want to judge, belittle, negate, or um, or put down or, or shove to the side any of those things that God might be calling us to and in all of the tools that he might be giving to us in order to use because that produces the discouragement that produces a bondage in a way that is fueled by scarcity. And we know from Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we close this show, that the harvest is ready. We know that the harvest is ready. You have told us so. And so I pray um, that more people will jump up and say, I'm ready. And thank you for guiding us for where you want us to plant and what kind of harvest you want us to bring in, both uh, monetarily and um, relationally. And I pray that as we do so, that the blessings will overflow with all the glory and thanksgiving going to you. And I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So make sure you visit moneyminingtoday.com to get the show notes and the discussion questions and to listen to the past shows and the free resources that are available in my village of blessings. Thank you and God bless.